This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. So we are entering into hour four. Um, John, we'll talk privately about how long we want to go with this, but um, <laughs> I want to read the next couple super chats after we officially reset. Uh, Let's do it. Biggest news of the draft so far: Scoot going three, Brandon Miller going two. Uh, the Mavericks have had a decent night. Um, they traded the tenth pick for the twelfth pick and offloaded uh, Davis Berton's salary. They got a guy at twelve that Chris seems to like perfectly for them. Um, what's his name again? Derek Lively, the second. Derek, Derek Lively, the second. So good for them. And then with the, he'll help them rebounding a lot, and then uh, protecting the rim. And then he also has offensive upside. Like maybe. Maybe in one or two years, this is not a Mitchell Robinson three point shot kind of thing. This is like he knocked down like 20 straight at his pro day. And that guy could legitimately be a three point shooter sooner than later, but isn't right now. They don't have to force him to be. He can play that Clint Capella role and then maybe eventually become a Miles Turner where no teams are not running out to guard him. Turner's only contested on 33% of his three point attempts, but teams do respect the shot enough where it spaces the floor just a little bit. So then you go to number 24 with Dallas and they had the 24th pick and they traded it to Sacramento or vice versa. No, yeah. they Sacramento they, had it and they Sacramento traded it to had Dallas. the 24th pick and they traded it to Dallas along with Rashad Holmes. So the traded player exception that was created in the Davis Bertans trade that Davis Bertans went to OKC um, Mavericks used it to get Rashawn Holmes and the 24th pick, which is O.M. Prosper. So they are uh, having a good night, which annoys us, but maybe their pick will convey next year. God, God willing, it has to at some point. Uh, Denver took got a pick. Ju- yeah, Julian. Hmm. It's It sounds how it looks. Droth, Strother? Strother. Julian Strother, who um, is out of Gonzaga. He is the seemingly the lowest projected guy to be drafted thus far, but we're now at the range in the draft where we're getting towards the end of the first round. And, um, you know, you could see some of these sorts of things happen. So yeah. before you analyze Strother, Chris, let me read the super chats. Okay. Oh yeah. Let's oh, do it. Sure. Almost all addressed to you. So first, Abdullah Diallo thoughts on Imani Bates, Chris, Imani Bates, Chris. Yeah. I would say, um, a good, college player at a small college uh, that was really unfairly handled throughout his basketball career thus far cover of slam at the age of 15. I just, I think as media, we need to look inwards about putting expectations on that early calling him the next KD um, because he will not like spoiler. They're not going to take him at 30. No one is. That is a second round pick. Um, and a late second round flyer, like like a late second round flyer, maybe undrafted if he wants to pick his own spot. Um, my thoughts on Amani Bates are that he was done dirty by the world, uh, but that also doesn't mean that 
his off-court character concerns are anyone else's fault but his own um with the issue he ran into at ecu uh and 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 also when you look at um the lack of athleticism. A lot of the concerns I talked about with Brandon Miller, with John, about why I don't really buy or project him as like a super awesome star bet. He just is a great, super perfect bet at having a, a, a role player slash starter that has upside. Um, I, I, I think those are even further exacerbated with Bates, who uh, just doesn't have the ability to turn corners or handle or anything at, at a level that says to you like, oh, okay, he looks like Brandon Ingram. Oh, okay, he looks like Paul George. Oh, okay, uh, even Cam Reddish and, and and guys like Julian Phillips from Tennessee out of this year have those tantalizing eight second clips where you're like, oh my god, that's a top ten NBA player if he fills out and if the passing reads improve. Like, there's at least a vision to see. Imani is too slow physically for me to even see that vision, and I, I couldn't justify using a top forty pick on him in, in such a deep draft like this one. Good stuff. Jeez, Chris. Next up, Adelaide Diallo. Again, Indiana is a mid-major franchise. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No yeah, disagreement. I, I, I think uh, the Knicks channel is the right place for that. Um, Shout out Mike feedback. Woodson, though. Shout out Mike Woodson, though. So, Facts. Up, the Timberwolves uh, are sending the Spurs two future second-round picks for the 33rd pick that seems like a deal the Knicks could have made if they were interested. Maybe there's no one here on the board with Ben Shepard being gone uh, that they were particularly interested in, but that price point screams that pick was very available. Let's get a couple more super chats in. Absolutely. No, go ahead. I think John's going to jump off after round one and we'll stick around for a bit, Chris. And then if we decide to call it, we'll call it. But, um, well, basically, we'll, all hands will be on deck if the Knicks do end up making a trade and we'll react to it. Um, but this is also for you, Chris. Trade OB. This is from Brad uh, Zampar. Uh, trade OB for pick to get Andre Jackson. Tell us about him. Andre Jackson is fascinating. He's like, he, he was on UConn on that winning team. And he was part of the reason why they won games. But man, can he like so not shoot? Like he's one of those non-shooters that like if you gave me odds right now that he never in his life shoots above 30% if he's taking at least two threes a game, I might take that. Like Josh Hart, you know what it is? He actually profiles a lot like Josh Hart, but a more athletic version. Someone and who's Josh out Hart there was taking 30th. That has the, the playmaking feel. Someone that has uh, the, the rebounding toughness in them to really go out there and make shit happen. Right? Like just find people in the right spots. Get those rebounds that break teams from the three spot. But Andre Jackson... Andre Jackson doesn't project to be the shooter Josh Hart is. Um, and that's kind of brutal. So, so, so hold on. Just, just to clarify what you're saying, because Josh Hart is, isn't a good shooter. Not you're a shooter. He's, so he's going to be worse than Josh Hart shooting-wise. Worse. Okay, wow. So, I, I, I mean, the way that John kind of acts like he plays basketball is kind of how it looks. I, I mean, I just, it's, it's, it looks like the shot of someone who doesn't really play basketball. Like, you know, when John's like, Oh, I'd get washed off the court. I can't play I in a KFS. Like, yeah. Uh, now Jackson, just like John is six foot six and jacked uh, athletic. That's, uh, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> and he can go out there and, and, and ruffle some feathers. 
Okay. I can name one guy that plays major playoff minutes that everyone and their mother knows cannot shoot, which is Draymond Green, Draymond Green. who That's processes the game at such a level and is so good defensively that it's completely justifiable, especially when one of the greatest point guards of all time and the greatest shooter of all time is next to him on the basketball court. Andre Jackson, uh, unless the Warriors, you know, are really looking for the second unit to to resemble a starting unit, like they have Kuminga. They're good. Um, they got baby AG over there, so they're good. I stand by my Kuminga at five in his draft, by the way. That, that'll, that'll age well for me. Watch. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> he's just being misused. Uh, <laughs> I'm being so, I'm saying it sarcastically, but I'm being so dead serious. Anyway, um, time will tell, Chris. L- listen, the thing is that Jackson just struggles to justify being out there on the court unless every play is in transition, in which case he would be a really good NBA player. Um, but in a half court setting, not only does he hamper you uh, spacing wise, but even if the rest of the floor is spaced with plus shooters, they like they can't drive if he's there. So rough, rough for me to have him really high on my board because I just don't buy the shooting at all, um, which is why me personally, I, I had Jackson at 38. I think he's worth a top 40 pick. I think the top 40 in this draft is really good. I take him at the end of it. Good stuff. All right. So a question for the board, but also an indictment of one Mr. Macri from Guy Huber then. Go ahead, John. Read this one. Uh, level of one to five. How annoyed is John that Obi still hasn't been traded? Uh, good job on the stream, guys. Oh, I'm not annoyed. I don't really care that much. Um, I think yeah, I, thought, I thought your take in the last week was that you didn't care. Like on the list, of, you said you said I'm not going to say verbatim. Oh, I, I want sure him. Yeah, I'm sick of the discourse around him. But like, which, poor, you, poor you. It doesn't mean the Knicks make a bad trade. I'm gonna yeah. do my. I, Livia, I get what you're saying. I'm gonna do my Livia thing yeah. and say, you know, I mean, you. if I had, if I had spent, <sighs> Andrew doesn't get that because he hasn't seen the greatest show ever. Uh, Clippers took Kobe I've Brown seen, at thirty. By the way, I've seen the wire. What are you talking about? <laughs> Kobe Brown. Um, that's Prez's guy. Yeah, Prez. If I had, so, if I had spent Missouri. the last, if I had spent the last, you know, however many months deep diving into these guys and I had fallen in love with like two, three, four of these prospects in this range. And I was like, Oh my God, the next guy, I, I haven't done that. Um, I don't think Obi Toppin is a particularly consequential player uh, for the Knicks at this point. So whether he's here, whether he's not here, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter to me that much. Uh, let's talk. I mean, do we have another super chat before we have two more? We have two oh, more. Yeah, yeah. Let's get these two get in, one in there. Yeah, come on. And then, so, um, and then Cart. oh, Perry, thanks, thank you for the support. I appreciate all of you that are in here, um, hanging out with us. I, I thank you. And then, last but not least, this is a Chris question. So, I wonder if we ask this and we read this from, from John, and then we'll bid you adieu, John, and then we'll turn the keys over to Chris. Sure. Uh, before I do that, thank you, Chris for doing this. And, oh, thanks uh, for being here, man. Have fun the rest of the night. Andrew, as always. Uh, and thanks everybody uh, watching. I'm going to duck out. I maybe I will be back if the Knicks actually do something tonight. Um, Max Lewis keeps slipping. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, re Knicks asks thoughts on Jalen Wilson out of uh, KU. Good size, older player, shot creation upside. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with everything you said, Renix by John, um, including the question mark at the end of shot creation upside. That is a huge question mark with Jalen Wilson. Um, I agree he's got good size and he's yes, he's an older player, which bodes well for his Knicks chances, but 
the Knicks, he just doesn't profile. He doesn't seem to me to fit exactly what the Knicks want. Of course, watch the trade for him now or whatever. Now that I said that, but um, I just can't see it because uh, the Knicks like guys that no one thinks are good, but are good or that people wouldn't care about their team, but they're good. Or, you know, like they like finding that value, like Ben Shepard at a Belmont who ended up rising all the way up to 26. Jalen Wilson, I talked to someone who watched every Kansas game this year, and I really trust their Kansas evaluations, who said he's like the worst, best player I've ever seen. Like Wilson averaged great numbers for Kansas this year, something like 20 points, eight rebounds and a couple assists, I want to say. Um, but I just can't tell you what his NBA skill is. And this is a situation where a guy like Jordan Hawkins, who has an elite NBA skill in his shooting, uh, but is not really well-rounded at all anywhere else can go number 14 overall. And someone like Jalen Wilson, who is, you know, more productive than him this season can still be on the board at 30 is because there's nothing that seems to translate to the NBA reliably. I had Jalen Wilson number 41 on my big board right behind James Naji out of Barcelona. Um, and Wilson's cool. And he's someone who I think should go before the middle of the second in that 40 to 45 range. Okay, so we're going to go back to the draft. What has happened since we last uh, checked in on the picks is that 29, we did mention this, but we didn't really analyze it. Uh, the Denver Nuggets took Julian Strother, shooting guard out of Gonzaga. Chris, tell us about him. If you watched March Madness, you saw him make maybe the biggest shot of the whole tournament, that huge game winner for Gonzaga. Uh, that was him. <laughs> and so... Can I uh, just real quick, they yeah. beat... Which which Florida school did they beat? Which South Florida school did they was beat? Was that FAU they played? That was FAU they beat. So, everything okay? Did you just break everything? I'll just drop the glass. We're good. It was empty. Okay. Glad it was empty. So, my uh, a friend of mine... Uh, game, I want to say the game winner was BYU, maybe? No, no, no. It was, it was UCLA. It was UCLA. Hit and Strother hit the dagger, not the game winner. He had the dagger okay. thing. Yes, yes, UCLA. Gotcha. Okay. I was referring to the Final Four game where a friend of mine had FAU plus 2,600 that he picked up in the Sweet 16 to win it all. And watching that buzzer beater and that pick was a bit of a dagger. So Ooh, I don't know how much that, that matters anymore because Gonzaga um, didn't. Uh, it ended up not mattering, but anyway, I digress. Continue. Julian Jake Strother. Fisher. Jake Fisher. Celtics are trading down again from 31 to get 34 and 39 from the Hornets. Good value Char- on that. Charlotte must have someone they like here. They already have Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. Um, and now they're, they're seemingly going to add someone else at 31. Uh, if I were them, I would go with, let me look really quick. I'd go with Colby Jones if I were them. Someone who could really uh, compliment LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller well. He can play in between them. Ball, Jones, Miller. Colby Jones um, did a good job this season at guarding all kinds of players, which is versatility that you like to see. And he's also one of those guys that's like capital J, capital G, just good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be good for them. Ah, real, here's real the quick, pick. B- before you do anything, go, go, go. Chris... Julian Strother. Let's wrap. Let's close Sorry. the loop. Okay. Let's let's close the loop. You're right. You're good. Julian, so Julian Strother, Strother. Go ahead. On my big board position, just shooter. Like <laughs> that's the that's this guy's name of his game is the shooting. This is someone who NBA teams look at and say, "Hey, Duncan Robinson and Evan Fournier got 18 million dollars a year to just shoot. We can grab someone like this at the end of the first and have him for three million a year. We'll do it." And so, uh, 
Jordan Hawkins, you know, the pick for the Pelicans, they see him as having a little more upside. Strother doesn't have that upside. And that's why you saw him go half around later than Hawkins, despite them both having the same best skill. Also, Hawkins more versatile of a shooter than Strother. But I think there's a reason I'm comparing these two to each other so directly. They're the same kind of mold of prospect. But if Strother is the iPhone 8, Hawkins is like the 10 where they got rid of the home button and it was all new and same company, same purpose. But one really does it better than the other to a non-debatable degree. Uh, that doesn't mean Strother's a bad player. And I had him... Ooh. I want to say like 37 if I had to take a wild guess on my board. Let's take a let's let's take an actual look right now. 39, close enough. Um I, I just don't perceive him defensively as having uh, a whole lot going for him. But the Nuggets have such a strong team defensive construct that getting a shooter out there like Strother to come off the bench and just playing good basketball and winning basketball for them uh, is something that they're looking for and and could use. So I, I you know, that pick I, I like for Denver only because they're the NBA champions and they deserve that benefit of the doubt that they're going to make this guy work within their winning team construct. Um, if this were Charlotte's pick over Nick Smith jr. Or Bryce and Bryce and I would have been like, so there are guys that you can put the ball in their hands and they can make something happen or score it or pass it or, and you went with the guy that can just shoot. Um, but no, at 29 for the champions. Yeah, I can, I, you can sell me on this one. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable, but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. So then we go out further west and talk about um, the Los Angeles Clippers with the 30th pick. Uh, Kobe ends up in L.A., but this time he's on the Clippers, and it's Kobe Brown, a power forward out of Missouri. Tell us about him, Chris. Where did you have him on your big board? 
could have gone uh, Kobe B in anyway. uh, another Kobe B. There you go. Um, a Kobe B R vowel. All right, now we're now we're stretching. <laughs> BR vowel. Although technically Y depends your alpha. Sometimes weather. Um, go ahead, Kobe Brown. He needs to lose ten pounds. If he does that, I will regret having not had him in my first round. Don't we all, Chris? Need to I need to pounds. lose about eighteen. Um, so basically, the thing with Kobe Brown, I had him at thirty-two. So yeah, this is perfect value for LA. He's someone who, especially because they traded Marcus Morris, I can absolutely... Oh no, they wanted to and then didn't? Is that what happened? The Clippers didn't end up as part of that deal? Wanted to trade Marcus Morris and then they got to look at uh, Malcolm Brogdon's medicals and pulled out and then Memphis entered the chat and completed the three-team trade. The last time Marcus Morris almost went to a team but went to a different one. The Knicks, oh. turn, the Knicks turn him into Emmanuel quickly. Maybe, nice call the Clip, maybe the Clippers will have some similar for, or no, actually it would be the Wizards that would have the fortune here because they got snubbed for it. Whatever. Um, irregardless, as Peter Griffin would say, uh, basically Kobe Brown is someone who is six foot eight and can shoot the basketball. You're probably already a little intrigued. He has passing feel. He can make the right plays and find guys, but he's not someone who you're saying, hey, take this ball, go dribble around and then off the dribble in midair, jump past to someone. No, no, no. Uh, but as part of a winning team, being out there in a Marcus Morris kind of role, assuming they still look to move Mook, uh, I think that's I think that's a good pick for them. And, and, you know, yes, Andrew, this is the area of the draft, like as John was just saying, where you can reach up and down the board. That's why I always release a big board and a what would I do mock draft? Because I, I very often go against my own rankings if it's much better for the team's fit. My most infamous example was the the heat I caught when a month before the draft, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I have chat one and I'm going to have chat one. But if I'm the magic, I go with Paolo. And everyone was like, oh, you're hedging, you're hedging. Like, no, they need a go-to guy, like really freaking bad. <laughs> and I don't think Chet is that. And Paolo can be that right away. Um, wow. The first player of the night, not on my board, gets selected. Anyway, let's, let's keep going through the, through the picks to 31. So at 31, it was who? That was Boston's pick that they moved back from 25 for. They moved back again for 34 and 39 from Charlotte. So the Charlotte Hornets selected at 31 and they took James Najee, the center out of Barcelona, Prez, has a disrespectful comparison for him that is Jericho Sims with upside. Um, I, I think that it sadly fits in the sense where Najee can do now what Sims does in, in year two, projects to do in year three, return from injury, uh, and has more upside on top of that. He is 6'11 and just built like he's built like that guy is thick out there man he's you are not moving him off you um he's gonna stand where he wants to stand on the court and for rebounding purposes that's really great for charlotte fascinating now with mark williams selected see this is weird andrew that they're doing this james book at 13 and then nick smith this year and then Mark Williams at 15 and then James Najee this year. It's like they drafted the backups for the lottery guys. They drafted 
odd. Um, but you know, whatever <laughs> way to use four first round picks on two positions on the court. Um, I, I just think that that's not great, <laughs> but Najee is really intriguing and he's someone who maybe well, all right, here's what's cool about him. If someone's biggest sell is that they picked up basketball late and they have a whole lot of room to grow, just fade the hell out of that draft stock. It, it, your, people are selling themselves on a dream of a dream. But Najee has upside that perceives it, that pre- presents itself as legit. And he also, after everything I've said about him, picked up basketball at like 14 years old. So it, it's super possible that he continues to grow at, at rates unusual for players his age just because of his years in the game. Uh, I, I like the pick for Charlotte given the draft slot. I just think it's odd considering they used draft picks on Nick Richards, the center out of Kentucky, Mark Williams, the center out of Duke. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, now they've got James Najee, the center out of Barcelona. Oh, what's next? Now they're going to get a center from G league ignite next year and complete like the, the scouting circle. Like, I don't, you know, what, what are we doing? Um, but if the plan is to move off Nick Richards and have Najee be the new backup, love it. Okay, so at number 32, the Denver Nuggets, the NBA champion Denver Nuggets, took someone named Jalen Pickett, and you do not have him on your board. I did not, but he is someone I scouted. Okay. Um, And Jalen Pickett uh, just, you know, contextually went to Penn State, um, six foot four uh, guard, you know, and and I, I believe he wore number 22 out there. Um, basically, his cell, most irrelevant information ever. His his cell is that when you... I'm trying to think of how to put it quickly. I might just give up on that fast. Um, but, you know, I, I think that... How do I put this in a way that's like... That fits the team context, that fits the... Okay, I will say that for Jalen Pickett, he's someone who I would have had on my board if it went out to 58, um, but that he's not someone who I'm sold on to an extent where I'm confident saying, yeah, early second round, that was worth it. Uh, I, I don't mean to discredit him as a prospect. It's just that he was a five-year college player, um, and the production increased a lot in his last year back to what it was to his initial production in a worse conference. Um, good for him for getting into a better conference. He's a New York kid, Rochester. Um, he's smart. Like I, what I meant to say earlier, when I said, when you watch him play, he's someone who, when you watch him play, you almost like learn about basketball from you're like, Oh, that's the right read there. Cool. Jalen. Like he, he's really good at uh, doing that kind of stuff. Um, but I also, I've never seen him go around a screen using his physical tools in his life. Penn Penn State's system was very much designed towards hiding that and making him look good in every other way. The same way that I think Jet Howard had his strengths played to like 101% at Michigan because his coach happened to know him and his game really well, being that he was his dad. Uh, I think that Penn State did something similar. Not that Mr. Pickett coaches the team, but that uh, they just know his game well from having him for two years. And we're really able to custom tailor the offense to where he'd be able to be quite productive in it w- without a sweat. Um, he's like the Brunson kind of guard where you're like, okay, he's physically small, but he doesn't play like it. It's just like Jalen Brunson will bully through those screens. And I don't know if Pickett 
has that level of strength. Um, he he's a shooter, but he isn't actually a shooter. Like if he's going to last in the league, he needs to be one, but he's not there right now. Explains the second round draft stock. Um, I, I would see this as a little bit of a reach because of the fact that he's small and he's not a big athlete and he doesn't bring intensity on the defensive end. That makes you say like, whoa, ho, this guy is going to do the thing on that end. Like all the time. He's just a tricky little small point guard, a little Brunson esque, but not the same style of play. He has feel for the game. Um, I personally don't buy the shot. I, I know it's very easy for uh, teams to be like, oh, well, if the shot comes along, then he'll be really good. I've said that for a lot of guys that I have in my early second and late first, but Pickett needs it to the extent where he <laughs> would be worth the early second if the shot hit. And it's like, oh, not sure that's my favorite bet. Just want to say you're cooking at the moment, and I am extremely impressed that you <laughs> have all of this draft knowledge and we're into the second round. Um, <laughs> some housekeeping. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves took the guy that was mocked in a couple of drafts in the top 20, uh, Leonard Miller uh, oh. out of the G League with the 33rd pick. Um, I will let you break him down in a second. Um, and then the Celtics just apparently don't want to make this pick because they had the 34th pick in the draft and they took Colby Jones and then traded Colby Jones to the Kings for the 38th pick and a future second rounder. So uh, more on that in a second. Um, Chris, tell us about Leonard Miller. Why did he slip? And is this a big, big pickup for Minnesota? This fact, is, I'm going to just for visual purposes, I'm trying to make sure the, the, thing is well produced and get all the picks on the board yeah so i'm gonna spotlight you and let you cook right now all go right. ahead chris leonard miller to me from minnesota or for minnesota looks like a pick that kind of says hey we're not expecting nas reed to return this next season um miller someone who was really tantalizing to a lot of scouts pretty tantalizing to me because of how much he picked up over the last year, how much better he got over the last year. It's a really positive indicator that there's more water in that well. Um, but I don't buy his shot too much. I buy other areas of his game enough to have him at 16 where I had him. If you don't buy his shot, this spot makes complete sense for him. And San Vecini had Miller at like 11 or 12 on his big board and said he can see why people would have him top 35. Um it seems like NBA teams agreed with that assessment more than uh, any anything that regarded him in the first round. Um, Miller grew about seven inches in a year and is still kind of like a, a, a doe, a baby deer in terms of his his long legs and his length. Uh, not that he, he looks like a deer in the headlights, but that he just kind of wobbles around a little Um Maybe not the sturdiest base. I, I, I just think that he's really fascinating as a prospect and as someone who brings a lot to the table from day one that, that makes you confident that you've got a really nice ball of clay on your hands. It's just his status as that, as a ball of clay, um, is, is why he, he fell. Uh, so yeah, you know, I would say basically, I would have taken him 28 if I were Charlotte, you know, like teams like that, that can afford it. 
I would have taken a project like Leonard Miller over a project like Nick Smith Jr. However, I can completely understand um, him falling this late. I just can't, given some of the guys that went over him, if that makes sense. I I didn't think having Leonard Miller over Bilal Koulibaly would age this crazily this early. That's definitely a duo that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on now um, because they're they're kind of similar in terms of the different ways in which you need them to improve, but they play different positions and they have different games. Uh, Miller's just fascinating. Like Leonard Miller is almost like a litmus test for how you scout. If you're a show me the tape kind of guy, you hated him last season and this season you are probably way more interested in him, but are doubtful that his production will translate to the pro level. If you're a more potential kind of guy, like I am, you were high on him, but understand. Yeah. How about that? You understand that the production wasn't all that this season. It just shows the growth. Um, It's not like win now production. It was him learning what role he needed to play and playing it well. But I don't think that the role he played for the ignite is uh, honestly his optimal um, an optimal landing spot. So yeah, Um, we have Macri. Oh, okay. Popper. And Bondi tweeting right now, Macri retweeted one. So I I saw him. I thought it was him. Uh, Stefan Bondi saying that a source said the Levine camp isn't interested in dealing with the Knicks who have a reputation around the league of favoring clients of CAA. Um, Ian Begley reported earlier that there were hurdles to getting Levine to New York. Maybe that's what he was talking about is what John said. Um, Popper Quote tweeted Bondi saying he's heard similar with the Nerlens Noel situation among the issues. But as Bondi points out, Rock Nation doesn't have control of this if the teams want to make a deal. So we will see how that goes. Um, Interesting. Yeah. That's a next week thing, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The 34th pick was the Celtics, and then they took a player and traded him to Sacramento. Although the way that Woj framed it, it's that Sacramento wanted to acquire this player. So they actually traded into the 34th pick, and it's Colby Jones, the guard slash forward to the wing at Xavier. Uh, Chris, tell us about him. Yeah, I did a little earlier, but I kind of did it through a Charlotte context. Love to just talk about Colby in general. Um, in shoes, he's like six six, six six and a half, maybe. So you know, like six four and a half, six five without him. Not exactly wing sized, but similar to Quentin Grimes, he's just good and brings a lot to the table that can help a team from day one. Xavier, not exactly the flashiest school for him to have gone to, but I do have to say when you look at the production he had there and the players that he produced against when he was playing against good players like a Jordan Hawkins or a Cam Whitmore uh, or an Olivier Maxence Prosper all in his conference. Yeah. I thought he, I thought he held up well for himself. Jones is someone that I had in my first round. Um, but I see, you know, I can see athletically why he fell. Uh, I, I know some people that I, whose evaluations I trust that just had concerns about him sticking in the league because of the fact that even though he's a the kind of draft pick you make because he's a bet to stick in the league, he might not have the athleticism or, or the size or the strength to justify it. Um, I disagree. I had Colby 24 because I think he'll stick in the league. And I think that 
He's someone who is good. He's someone who is going to make smart plays and winning plays and help you out there all while doing those on the defensive end as well. Not just with the ball in his hands, not just as an offensive connector. I'm not saying he's Desmond Bain, one of those three and D guys. I think Bain had way more creation juice at TCU than Colby showed at Xavier, but uh, Jones is just good. One of those guys that can just play. And then we go to the 35th pick, which was owned by the Washington Wizards and was traded to the Chicago Bulls. And the selected player is Julian Phillips, a small forward out of Tennessee. Uh, Chris, um, I'm setting you up, man. Keep going. Well, what, do you, what can you tell us about him? Yes, sir. Julian Phillips, number 42 on my big board. So a slight reach here for Chicago. I, I think it's interesting. They felt the need to trade up for him. Um, you know, if you reach, but you were sitting there, it's one thing. If you trade up to reach, not so sure how I feel about that. Um, Phillips to me, it, it kind of fits the cam reddish mold of a tantalizing young wing who can handle the ball and looks like one day he'll be mini Paul George. And, just honestly doesn't show a lot of the traits that make you want to bet on his development long-term getting better. Uh, as a person, Phillips is awesome. Like all the Intel is really good on Julian Phillips, the human being and the worker. Um, but his game on the court, not super willing to go get dirty in the paint, get swallowed up by bigger guys and, and can't really be visible if he drives in and there's a real rim protector. Um, and someone who's just very much a tools bet, uh, very much a toolsy bet. Um, if I were trying to be a winning team, I would not take him at all. If I were a rebuilding team, I would take him and tell him he's allowed to take. Sh- I mean, yeah, if I were trying to be a losing team, I would take him and tell him to also take shots. Cause if you can develop him into a shot creating wing, which I don't think is out of the question for him, which is why I have him in my top 40, um, then that's going to age really well for you. But just for me, um, eight points a game, five rebounds, less one and a half assists, one and a half turnovers. Um, good defender, good defender. Uh, but just on offense concerns me in a lot of ways. Sam Vecini's comp for Phillips was like someone along the Dorian Finney Smith mold. Um, which that's a really great pick at 35. If you can get him to turn into that. So, yeah, we should say earlier tonight with maybe like 15 minutes ago, I should say, um, we got a super chat from one of our outstanding patrons or, or super chat contributors. I should say uh, it's late. So I'm trying to, you're, you're on, you're you're going a mile a hundred miles a minute right now, Chris, and it's impressive. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep up with you. Um, about 15 minutes ago, uh, someone brought up Andre Jackson as a potential player the Knicks could trade for, uh, as well as as far as trading into the draft, potentially an Obi Toppin pick. Well, Andre Jackson is off the board, going to the Milwaukee Bucks at 36. Um, this is a guy who went to UConn. So they won the, the national title this year, correct? I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, UConn Huskies. Yeah. So yep. this is a national champion that's going to the Bucks. Um, he as uh, a small forward slash guard. Uh, Chris, how do you like him? Since you already talked about him as a prospect, how do you like him in Milwaukee? I did talk about Andre Jackson as a prospect, but in relation to his fit in Milwaukee, it's just a winning context you want to get him into. Um, 
if the ball's flying around the court and Milwaukee's playing good, uh, a little more up-tempo basketball under Adrian Griffin, uh, new head coach, I, I just think that Jackson can really fit in as a project for them that they could develop and, and bring into maybe try to be their own homegrown Josh Hart or Josh Akogi, the stockier Josh Akogi type of player. Um, Milwaukee took Marjan Bochamp in the mid first round last year. And we didn't really see or hear much from him this season. They're comfortable not playing guys much at all. If it means that they'll be better off long-term to contribute to the program. Um, this is a Milwaukee taking, I just think who they think is the best player available on the board. Um, you're seeing guys like Max Lewis who have the offensive game to them, maybe a parent target Lewis, you know, uh, probably the only guy left that I could see them moving in for, honestly. Um, fall past guys like Jackson because Lewis was the number one player on a, a very losing Pepperdine team. And Jackson was like the third best guy or fourth best guy on a national championship winning UConn team that projects as having athletic tools to help him improve going forward. He's got a great feel for the game. I can't understate his passing enough as my favorite part of his game. I just can't buy the lack of shooting as being a non-problem. So for Milwaukee, uh, they seem comfortable drafting guys like Sam Merrill and these super shooters to have out there off the bench and trading for shooters and, and like an angles and all that. So Jackson could very well fit nicely out there, but for a team like New York that already had so many, that already has so many non-shooters don't see the fit at all, but between angles and Portis off the bench, <laughs> Jackson fits real nice. So before we get to our next pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder are on the clock. Let's go to some super chats. We got four for you, Chris. Let's um, do it. We go back to foam, foam do me, foam, foam dome, foam dome. I read it wrong. Shout out to being old. Um, <laughs> I literally just did that. Foam do me. I read four syllables, but it's clearly foam dome. Uh, thank you, foam dome. Andre Jackson has elite vision and athleticism, and could be. L- could be lockdown D. Great leader. Want him on NYK. Unfortunately, uh, he will go on MIL instead. Go to Milwaukee. Um, but thank you for the contribution. Uh, G. Huber then. Uh, G. Huber then had a comment earlier um, about Obi Toppin potentially being traded and how excited we would be. I say this because I'm over it myself. Trade that boy. Uh, this is in regards to um, whether or not the Knicks should or why haven't they traded Obi Toppin uh, at this point, which I don't think at this point they're going to, at least on draft night, because talk about low value. If Obi's not worth the 37th pick in the draft, you might as well just keep him. Um, is that a fair assessment, Chris? Yes. Sam Garcia's dad. This is for you, Chris. I want you to read it. Hey, KP, why shouldn't the Knicks want Tristan Vucevic? That last name is why Andrew had me read this one. Um, Maybe. <laughs> He is the kind of Rokas Jokubetis of this draft in the sense where I could have seen him going top 40 when I didn't think his play necessarily deserved it um, because he presents a stash opportunity to teams that don't have the roster spots to to hold these young prospects, but but want to have them. Here's the problem. The new CBA added a third two-way spot. And so now those stash picks aren't going to be happening as early as they were. We're going to go back to the days of those being at the end of the first round. I'm sorry, at the end of the second round, at the end of the draft, or then being undrafted free agent deals agreed to. Or, um, Yeah, I just think Vucevic, first of all, 
is a completely different mold of center from what the Knicks have targeted uh, under the Leon Rose, Perrin, uh, Aller, Perry, <laughs> Klein regime um, of talent evaluation, Zanin also uh, times two, and then now just times one. Um, uh, you know, w- when it comes to when it comes to a big that doesn't fit your style, um, it, it better be worth it. It better be someone like a Kristaps Porzingis, who's the best stretch five in the NBA, who even I didn't w- think the Knicks should have gone so aggressively after uh, after seeing the price for him, maybe. But um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, Vucevic is someone who looks really nice when you watch the highlights, but when he has to do it against NBA competition, might not be able to unlock as many of those offensive gifts as he can. And then because he can't, the value has to come from his defense. The value has to come from his switchability or his his stellar play and drop coverage. And I don't see Vucevic um, exceeding at any of those things early, which is why he would be a stash prospect. Those stash prospects no longer necessary to take in the early second round. If he's available in the late second round, the Knicks can send a million dollars to buy a pick and go get him and stash him, have him be the star of Westchester or keep him abroad for a year. They should do that because the values proposition is probably just worth it at that point. Um, but there there will probably be other prospects that I like more also available at that point where I, I might rather uh, the Knicks take them if I were a, a Knicks executive or scout. Thank you guys for the super chats. Seriously, thank you guys. Um, you guys being here is amazing support. You guys being willing to support the show with the super chats is unbelievable to me. I can't thank you enough. I, I really appreciate everyone for tuning in and for hanging out with me here tonight on the Chris Percy and Super Bowl, the NBA draft. Fargo Tufo, what is up? Big fan of Dream. So it's really nice to see you here in the draft live stream. Thank you for your support specifically. Chris, you are killing it tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you for being here. UDFA for Summer League. Lundy, Kamara, or Slauson? Also, what about signing and stashing Jalen Clark from UCLA? Um, out of those three, I would probably say Slow. I'm going to take Lundy. Lundy is my favorite for the Knicks of those three. Then Slauson, then Kamara. But Tumani Kamara is A10 made. The wars in the A10 prepared him for these moments. Dayton University, uh, or the University of Dayton. Sorry, um, but basically, yeah, I, I think that Lundy's the guy there. Just the shooting upside. Just take the guy which you think which you, that you think has an NBA skill and bet on him. Um, signing and stashing Jalen Clark. By stash, I mean you. I assume you mean put in Westchester, like deuce him uh, has become the term. Uh, Could have been quickly him, but preseason injuries saved us from that reality. Uh, but basically, um, yeah, I think that that would be smart. If he's undrafted, I would take him, um, in, in the undrafted market and send him to Westchester to just have the ball for, for a full year and then evaluate where I'm at from there. Great question. Um, and thank you guys for the super chats. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. 
Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. We've got another pick in. Look at that. Andrew, you can, if you, you know, if you want, you can announce it. If, if you don't want, I'll just do it. Oklahoma City Thunder with the 37th pick took Hunter Tyson, a small forward out of Clemson. Chris, tell us about this young man. Yeah. Hunter Tyson out of Clemson. Um, he presents himself as someone to me who uh, I didn't have on my board. But if you put him in your second round, like in the middle of it, I'd be like, oh, cool. Okay. Or if you put him at the end of your second round, I'd be like, oh, cool. Okay. Um, he's a six, eight wing. He, he, uh, I believe he's from North Carolina and then went to Clemson. Uh, he was at Clemson for five years. He cashed in on that fifth year of NCAA eligibility and his rise is almost like uh, statistically throughout the years is almost like a function, you know, Every year, uh, add about a rebound or two <laughs> um, to his average. That's where he was at. Every year, add about three points a game to his average, four points a game. That His first year, he averaged not even two points a game. His second year, he averaged over five. His third year, he averaged almost eight, I want to say. like It was like 7.8. And then his fourth year, which you know should have been his last in a regular universe where there's no COVID, he put up like 10 and five. Um, but this last year at Clemson as a fifth year player, he put up 15 and 10. And that's a different story. That's a different level of production. However, 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 really tough to see that jump finally come once a guy is playing his fifth year of college basketball and be like, oh, something clicked for him where he now is a different player. And it's much easier to be like, oh, it took him five years to figure out 
how to be as good as some guys that get drafted at 18. Um, that came off harsh. That was rude of me. I, I am the person. Yeah, I, actually, I, I can't say that because I argued all, all cycle that older prospects are, are good um, and are underrated because of their age. Jaime Jaquez Jr., one of them that I've argued for. Like, I, I don't believe the don't draft older prospects thing or, or like you should draft younger. I just think it adds value to someone if they're younger and exhibit certain traits. Um if they're young and super raw, then maybe you need a win now player. You know, it's it's up to your team needs. I, I, I'm a believer in everything being case by case. I'm a believer in everything being circumstantial. For the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that has developed wings like Isaiah Joe from being uh, dumpster pile discards from teams like Philadelphia into legitimate top of the NBA three-point shooters. Um, I like this pick for Oklahoma City, uh, investing in someone older, they really like guys that have feel for the game. And Tyson was a great relocator. He was a great relocator. Um, what he does is shoot. He's a big shooter. He, he's like six, eight. He's got like a six ten wingspan. Um, but I think he looks big enough not to just be a, a tall two or a three. Um, I, I can see it being something where, you know, Maybe he plays the four someday. Um, Andrew, we've got some picks coming in. We do. The 38th pick was a Sacramento Kings. Jordan Walsh, a small forward out of Arkansas. What do you got, Chris? This is a kid who I could see going in the first round. I could see going at pick 50. Walsh was super intriguing. Um, Someone who is a really good person. uh, And I think a good character guy to bet on wanting to improve. Um, he has alopecia and does a lot of charity events for kids with alopecia and is just really supportive. Like you want to root for a guy like him the second you find out about him. Oh, and also he's like gigantic and lengthy and six foot seven and will lock down your favorite wing someday. That's just what he does. You, you stick him on a guy and he doesn't unstick. He's the, you know, the, the, what, what's it called? Like, crazy glue. He's the crazy glue of this draft. You know, you just you, you, you lay him on a guy and you got to peel it off because it's not coming off easy. Um, the thing with Walsh is that uh, the offensive upside uh, is technically high because he's shown not much of it, but you know, like there's a lot of room to grow. Um, I don't know if I'm comfortable projecting him to grow with that room uh, and and that He's someone who will always be known for his defense, but his defense is really good. And that's not a terrible thing. He played at Arkansas where they had Ricky Council, the fourth Nick Smith, Jr. Anthony Black, Trevion Brazil, all types of guys getting more shots up than him. His best role was to just sit in the corner and and just shoot the open threes, try to make them um, and go out there and defend the best player on the other team. Maybe in a situation where he gets the ball a little more, it'll be different especially in such a quick moving offense like Sacramento's um, 38 is a great spot to get a guy like Jordan Walsh. Then we got some a trade action. I should give a programming note. We're going to stay on until pick 40. Um, if the Knicks are to make a trade in the final 20 picks of this draft, we will jump on 
emergency mode, um, especially if the pick is is of any magnitude. Uh, we're going to jump off after pick 40. So we're at 39 now. Uh, Chris, you've been outstanding tonight. I'll make sure you get your flowers before we sign off for the night. Uh, but at 39, it was originally the Charlotte Hornets who drafted a player of power forward out of Washington State. I will get your help in a second. Uh, and then traded him to the Atlanta Hawks. So Muhammad, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Gaye is what Gaye. I, okay. That's what I've heard on a broadcast, but unfortunately, because he went to Washington State, the broadcasters may not have cared to like ask the SID for pronunciations before the game. Ah. Um, so okay. you know Mohammed Gaye, what do you got? So he's from Senegal and, and he's six foot ten. Um he's been playing basketball for four years. Uh, and he just got taken 39th in the draft. I think that says something about the upside that he has, but also um, the fact that he may not be all that right away for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I view him as a center personally. Um, And so that's fascinating. If they view him as a four, then sure, maybe space opens up, but they've got JT Thor and they've got Nick Richards and they've got PJ Washington and they've got James Najee. They've got Mark Williams. I don't see where the minutes open up for him. So he must be a stash prospect for them. Someone that they want to send to the G league to start. Perhaps Um, he didn't go through with the draft last year, ended up coming out this year. Uh, I think that was a good decision for him. I don't think he would have gone as high last year, even in a weaker draft. Um, He already is good considering he picked up the game four years ago, but he just doesn't do a lot of the required NBA modern center things. And so when you look at his natural ability, uh, his growth, his potential growth trajectory, um, he's like the perfect type of guy to get on a two way deal. Maybe that's the kind of contract Charlotte will sign him to. I doubt it. They'll just get him on a deal probably. Um, but you're sending him to the G league. This is, this is a G league pick. This is a pick that they're sending to the G league. This is to keep the coffers full uh, of young talent coming up the pipeline. And then last but not least, the Los Angeles Lakers take with the 40th pick in the draft, Maxwell Lewis, a small forward out of Pepperdine, which is also in Los Angeles. So technically it's like along the coast, right? So not, it's like, I know it's got, got the nicest campus in the country. Yeah. It's a, has it's the a, nice, has the it's a real alley school. Yep. Yeah. Like picture, picture Bayside high or the OC, whichever the nicest school from your favorite LA centric, um, TV show is that's probably where Pepperdine is. So wrap it up tonight, Chris, tell us about Maxwell Lewis. Max Lewis, the last remaining Walt Perrin prospect on the board is someone who intrigued the Lakers enough to the point where some reporters and evaluators teamed up to speculate. They could be eyeing him with the 17th pick in this draft as a high upside shot. So I totally get them taking him at 40. Um, It's worth noting that the Lakers really went out of their way to get this pick. Uh, If you take a look at, you know, some of the prices being paid. Yeah. Like Chicago sent a couple of second rounders to the wizards to get the 35th pick Um, with, with Lewis, you would think that they really like wanted him that they sent $4 million to the Pacers to move up from 47 to 40. They really wanted to secure him at this 40 spot. Um, And basically 
they did it. So that's a win for the Lakers. He's six, seven. The Intel that I've heard on him out of coaches from the WCC is that they don't think he's good. They treated him like food this season on the defensive end of the court. And, and so I'm not surprised that that's what I heard from them. It's just like, who really, you know, like you're supposed to be bolstering up your conference and you're saying that the guy's not any good. I still had Max Lewis higher than this on my board, but I will say he took a notable fall from where I had him early in the draft prospect process before I got into the real wealth of this draft, which Wilco said on draft class was the 25 to 35 range. I think 20 to 35 is like the real value, even um, given some of the guys that went in the top 20 and who was then available from 20 to 35 Whitmore and uh, players like that. Um, Max Lewis was 31 on my board. So the first prospect I had uh, outside of a first round grade. Um, and I just think that it, it makes a lot of sense for the Lakers to take him if they're not expecting LeBron to be around for so long and they're going to need guys that, you know, can kind of develop into something going forward. However, Max Lewis can really shoot and has size at six foot eight. So if they want to park him in the corner and say, Hey, we know you're not Trey Murphy, but we need you to be him for like a year before we give you the ball. Maybe that's what maybe they're able to get, you know, uh, some of that production out of him. Um, I really think that Max Lewis has a shot to be good. I do think that this is a fine spot in the draft for him to go. I would have taken him earlier uh, ahead of someone like Gaia, but, you know, totally, totally okay that he fell to 40. It, it makes sense, even though he was one of my favorite prospects in this draft cycle. We have a super chat that I want to read. And oh, Johnny Chiba. Thank you, Chris Film School. <laughs> Great job spitting knowledge. Peace. And I'll say and love to you, Johnny. Um, I appreciate that a lot. And, and I appreciate everyone who commented without super chatting. I appreciated everyone who super chatted. I appreciate everyone who sat here with a drink in their hand and didn't comment a thing the whole time. You are seen, you are heard, and you are loved and appreciated as well. Thank you for being here. I, I have a couple final words, Andrew, on the Knicks not moving in here if that's all right, before I go listen to Young Thug's new album available now. Awesome. And you're welcome, Young Thug, for the free publicity. Um, I'll just sign off from myself. Thank you, everybody, as always, for tuning in. You know what to do. If you are not subscribed, please subscribe. If you haven't liked the video, please like the video. If you're listening on the podcast, five stars and a review. I, I just will echo what everybody is saying in the chat. And on behalf of Nick's Film School, a thank you to Chris for the work you've done with draft class yet again this year. You killed it. The Knicks didn't have a pick and we're 40 picks deep and you still have a plethora of information to share with everybody. So thank you. Job well done. Take us home, my man. Thank you, guys. That means a lot. Um, my parents and best friends have been concerned about me the last week because I've been sleeping at 5 a.m. every night or later. Uh, and that's just to make sure I have the best analysis possible to give you guys on a night like tonight. So um, it's a labor of love. I did a lot of work and I'm really proud of it, but I did it all to talk to you guys about it. Um, so thanks for being there and completing the process. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having this conversation with me virtually and, and, and tuning in. I can't tell you how much the support means. It's so nice. I would be happy if I put my stuff out there and no one listened just because I love the work. 
but getting the positive reinforcement that I do from you guys makes it a lot easier. I'll tell you that. Um, it's a lot easier when you don't have to guess if you're, you're doing all right or not. And, and I'll take you guys at your word that I've been doing all right. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and Andrew didn't say it. And now his Twitter ads off the screen. But if you're listening, you, you'll just look up at Andrew J. Claudio underscore. Anyway, he did not shout out his own Twitter and to go follow him because Andrew cares so much about Nick's film school. That stuff doesn't even come into his mind. But go follow Andrew, who is the man behind the scenes and also smart and good enough to be on camera as well. I, I just really appreciate him for entrusting me with another year of draft class, despite the fact that the Knicks didn't have a pick. Um, and, and, I, and I appreciate the KFS team as a whole for, for having my back throughout the whole cycle, always retweeting my stuff and, and giving me feedback, helpful feedback. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, APJP, for producing draft class. Thanks to Benji, Jeremy, XJ, Mensa, John, Jeremy, G, Jeremy C, uh, Harry. You're all amazing. Um, here's my take on the Knicks not trading into the 2023 NBA draft. The New York Knicks are really the, the kind of team that has a type and sticks to it. They're not the kind of team that walks into Toys R Us and they're sold out of all Nerf guns, like not even the Nerf gun they didn't want, all not even the Nerf gun they wanted, like all types of Nerf guns, and goes like, well, I'll just get a water gun. It's kind of the same thing. And like, no, that fills a functionally different purpose. It's for the summertime. There's a place and time to use it, and the Knicks don't have the facility to optimize it. So they're not going to force it on themselves. Um, we saw this uh, every time they've traded back. Um, they're going to play the board. We've saw this every time they've traded out. They're gonna they're gonna see are there are are their guys gone? Okay, they're okay moving out. Um, to me, Ben Shepard was the last guy on the board at 26 when he got traded that I could see the Knicks trading into the late first for. I could have foreseen a trade to 28 or 32 or you know 34, one of those picks that ended up being available to go get Ben Shepard if he lasted, but it's honestly kind of reassuring for me that NBA teams bought him as much as I did, but NBA teams have also been wrong before. So I'll have to hold tight on that. Um, I really like Shepard and I really liked him specifically for Walt Perrin and, and his desire for prospects, his type of prospects. And I really liked him for the New York Knicks. Um, but he was gone at 26 before they were expecting, before anyone was expecting. And at that point, it's not like they were trading up it's not like they had a pick. They would have to have gotten a pick, sent several second rounders like they have in next year's draft to get someone, which is something that I think would be a good value proposition for them. However, the second part of that value proposition panning out is getting someone you actually want with that pick. And so if someone offers you $100 for your bike and says to go, you can only, oh, how about this? If someone offers you a $100 footlocker gift card for your bike and you need clothes and not sneakers, are you going to like, go to Foot Locker and get the limited selection of weird Nike basketball tees because the you thought a hundred bucks was a good price for your bike. Just keep the bike, right? Just keep the thing that you've got right now, even if it's not the most important thing to you. The Knicks, these second round picks aren't the most important things to the Knicks. Um, they can use the bike later, maybe get a gift card for somewhere else. Maybe turn the trade the bike straight up for some some other thing uh, of value. No, I do not mean to directly analogize analogize geez players to inanimate objects that's like my least favorite thing to do and you guys know that's not my style of coverage um 
But draft picks are assets that are inanimate and lifeless before they have a name on them. And if the Knicks were going to acquire a draft pick without a name on it, to put a name on it, it's like driving a new car off the lot. It instantly loses a lot of that value because teams don't have the choice anymore. You made the choice. The Knicks would have been keeping the guy they drafted, sending him to Westchester. Um, because once Shepard was gone, there was no one who could have possibly cracked the rotation this next season. Olivier Maxens Prosper is someone else I thought really could crack the rotation. And he went <laughs> 10 spots before I thought the Knicks would start considering to trade in. Um, I think the Lakers had a really interesting draft tonight. I think the Rockets had the best value draft tonight. And I think the Mavericks won the night quote unquote by landing uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper at 24 um, and, and getting Derek Lively two spots back, but to dump the Bertans contract. Yes, they did have to take Rashawn Holmes, but I, they seem to see that as a good thing. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Also best values. Bryce Sensabaugh at 28, I think is fantastic value. I will avoid Cam Whitmore as a best value because if the medicals are bad, I ignore medicals because I'm not a doctor. So I'm going to evaluate guys with what I can, which is the tape. Whitmore was a top three prospect. I'll take it to the grave. And lots of smart people had the same assessment. The thing is, there's a reason he shot down mock drafts recently all the way to the ninth pick. And then Utah ended up passing on him with that ninth pick. And it's because of a not reported a a birdie told me that there's a real big knee issue there. Um, And that's also a part of the reason why Nick Smith Jr. fell as well. Um, And then my favorite, I'm a sucker for this pick uh, is Casey Wallace at 10 to the Oklahoma city thunder. I just think Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Casey Wallace and Jalen Williams is a terrifying one, two, three to go against on either end of the court. Um, And those guys can grow into something really fun. That's a, that's a trio of guys where you're not worried that there's only one basketball. You just know they're all going to get their game off. They each do something different and they're all awesome. So yeah, for the Knicks film school team, I thank you guys for tuning into our live stream and for watching our draft class podcast, this draft cycle. One more episode will come out for you guys where I react to the NBA draft, talk about what went down um, and talk about, you know, just the Knicks in general where they go from here, yada, yada. Um, So stay tuned for that. Go to my pinned tweet on my Twitter to see my final big board. If you want to match up where guys got taken to where I had them ranked. If you look at one and go, geez, Chris screwed that one up. What was on his mind? Respond that say, Hey, you screwed this one up. What the hell were you thinking? I'll do my best to explain it and and try to rationalize (laughs) my own evaluations. Cause I am now really excited to see which ones are wrong. Um, more than which ones are right. When, I, when, when, a, when an evaluation is right, I don't learn much from it. I just have my biases confirmed. When an evaluation is wrong, I learn a lot from it. Um, so I don't mean to sound like a participation trophy kind of guy where I'm handing out wins and lessons. Um, but that's the thing with the draft. I'm not employed by a team. I hopefully will not get fired if I whiff on a pick. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> oh my God, Andrew just fired. Anyway, uh, basically... Um, <laughs> I think that uh, learning and growing is the best part of this all. And I get the next year to do that with you all. Um, Tweet at me with questions. DM me questions. They're open. And go follow the Knicks Film School team and the Knicks Film School account and the social channels all over. And give that podcast a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. 